of here we are. We had a good conversation before we started recording. Yeah. As always. A lot of good stuff. Especially because yeah. we've been playing catch up. You know, in fact, we were going to record last week, but uh, we hadn't spoken in about four months. So <laughs> we had to get all that out. Had to purge all that, you know, that, that time <laughs> that was that was missed and catch up and see what was going on in our lives in that time. And next thing you know, it's like, you know what? Probably not going to record an episode today. We've been on the phone about four go, hours. I'm starting to go down. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the window. You got, you got to record a show within a certain time frame. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, it becomes the soul and the um show. So, um, because <laughs> you've now run out of things to talk about because you've literally been talking nonstop for four hours before everything started. Yeah, then you end up start. Then you start talking about what you had to eat last night and home repairs and, and politics <laughs> <laughs> and other things that no one else cares about unless it's <laughs> what they're thinking about. You know, so yeah, I'll tell you something. A lot of people will care about, especially coffee drinkers, because coffee is always one of these controversial topics. Where it's is it healthy or is it not healthy? And I think the, the simple answer is that it's, it's definitely healthy to get a high quality coffee, and you're not loading it up with 50 grams of sugar and turning it into a milkshake like what you get at Starbucks (laughs) but you have to differentiate between coffee and caffeine they're often used synonymously so there's a lot of negatives associated with just straight caffeine usage such as drinking a lot of Red Bulls and I think that's emphasized even more when you realize how much sugar is in I was just about to say that yeah exactly in a high hit of caffeine and sugar that definitely has been shown to lower telomeres and telomeres are these caps on your DNA that help protect it but drinking straight up coffee and tea has actually been shown to lengthen telomere. So that's good for longevity. And then quality coffee is also good for your brain health. It helps increase dopamine. It's good for serotonin. It's a good mood booster. Everybody who drinks that first cup of coffee in the morning knows that. And it's a, it's a better than 99% of pre-workout supplements, which are just loaded with a ridiculously high amount of, again, straight caffeine. When you could just have a cup of black coffee, green tea, as you like to use, black tea, about an hour before you train, and you're going to get these health benefits as well as a performance benefit. So I think the simple answer is that caffeine is not bad. It just depends on how you're getting it. Because I think there have to be a lot of these other cofactors with caffeine to balance out any possible negatives. So that when you isolate one component of something and then you just expand it, it's right. not getting all the other cofactors. Just like whenever they try to replicate the benefits of, let's say, fruits, they're trying to make a fruit powder supplement. It's right. never as good as the thing. <laughs> I mean, you, you've lost so many them. things in the process. You know, lost so many right. compounds of the fruit in that, during that process. Unless I mean, it's that fruit. might be good for someone traveling or someone that just doesn't have access all the time. Maybe you're on the road all the time, but it's, it doesn't. It's not as good as the real things where we're right. Because <laughs> at that point, it's not alive. I mean, a lot of the enzymes are gone now. Like I said, the compounds are gone um, unless you've even if you've freeze dried it or something like that. Still, again, it's not as good as when you had it right then at that moment. Yeah. In, in its true form. So anytime you change the form of something, you're just going to lose some of the of the process. It's going to lose some of its compounds in that process, man. Yeah, I think when you, especially when you isolate something, thinking like, yeah. oh, this is the beneficial part of the whole thing. So let's just isolate this, concentrate it, and we get rid of all the other cofactors. 
but it's it's usually the synergy of all these things that's been exactly. Happening. I mean, you can sit there and take the lead singer from a great band and you let them go solo, but sometimes after a while, it's like, okay, you need your band back, right. okay? Because it was you realize like, okay, it was actually that group that I really liked. I liked the lead singer, but you know, his projects by himself they kind of sucked. Right. <laughs> you know, you know what comes to mind when you're saying that Vince Neil and Molly Crew. That's the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> Remember when Molly Crew replaced Vince Neil and that tanked? And he wasn't bad. The singer they had, I forget his name, but they were he was actually a really good singer. But it's just yeah. they're set. They became a completely different band. It didn't sound like Molly Crew. It still sounded right. good, band, but it, it was it was almost like a genre shift. While Vince Neil, we were like, okay, this is not working. <laughs> This is not working, and and I knew I knew that they would get back together within a year or so, and sure enough, they did. Right. (laughs) It's like certain people like you know what you really need to get whatever beef y'all got going on. You need to go work that out. (laughs) Your fans, they deserve that. So yeah, but yeah, so yeah, a lot of times, like I said, isolating that one good thing that you thought was the best thing is not usually the best thing, (laughs) and all that. Yeah, there, there, there are times where it is, such as taking high amounts of vitamin D, right? More than you would yeah. have food. And not everyone has access to sun. And even if you do, you have to expose so much skin for a prolonged period exactly. of time. Exactly. And I can't see, so, I can't really see how much, what are you going to eat that's going to give you anywhere between 20,000 to 40,000 IUs yeah, of vitamin D? <laughs> I can't even think of it. Not even a thousand IUs. I mean, yeah, exactly. Mushrooms. Some mushrooms are are made in a certain way to be highly more concentrated with vitamin D, but even then it's just a nominal amount. It's just certainly not in a, certainly not a efficacious amount. Right. Even though people think like, Oh, you need like 5,000 to 10,000. I use a vitamin D. Yeah. Look, that's very low volume for a lot of folks because they're so deficient. Right. And, and they live in certain areas where they damn Like if you're someone living in England, or Washington State, you damn sure you should laugh at anyone that tells you that you need to have to my the most you need is ten thousand IU's of vitamin D. Yeah, you don't know until you get a blood test. Yeah, you gotta definitely get tested. Exactly. Someone may get five thousand, and that puts them into an optimal range over sixty, over eighty is even true. better. Over, over sixty is really good, but not many, like you said, not too many people. I, I take ten thousand to ten ten thousand to me is my baseline dosage. I off, I often go higher than that. Yeah. to get it where I need it to go. And Dr. Gordon made a good point about this. He said that mm-hmm. the recommendations often don't go above 4,000. He goes, well, what if 4,000 doesn't get me into an optimal range? There's exactly. no point taking it at all if it's not going to get you to an optimal range. You're still at the bottom of that vitamin D testing range. Exactly. And I even said it to, you know, people that look like me, you know, because there's this little myth, you know, in the black community thinking like, oh, you know, I'm heavily melanated. I don't need to get as much sun. You know, I got plenty. But no, 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 no. That's the, my, that's the biggest myth is just the fact that we'll even saying that we don't get sunburn when we're out in the sun too long. Bullshit. <laughs> okay. So, you know, so here's the thing, man. Again, get tested no matter who you are. And don't just sit there and think that, oh, my skin's darker and I'm good. Nah, not necessarily. Because you're not factoring a whole lot of other things. Well, you that's because you're actually thinking that you're living optimally as far as the way you eat, sleep, everything else for that to all work in your place. And it's still not even enough. So and nine, 99.99% chance that, yeah, you're not even anywhere being close to optimal in those other categories either. So testing, like I said, there's so many places you can get tests now and 
a lot of you, if you have insurance, you add, just bring it up when you're doing your yearly or whatever. So just kind of get a baseline from there and go. Yeah, I think the testing where vitamin D is useful just because just so you know where you're at. And it, it makes a difference, man. But like when you're vitamin D deficient and you, know, you start looking at the symptoms of that, <laughs> pretty much I'm sure everybody they're like, oh, shit. Yeah, I'm experiencing that. I experienced that, too. Oh, yeah, I'm feeling that, too. Yeah, most likely you're vitamin D deficient. And it's very important. Between that, that's one of those overlooked vitamins by itself. And also B12, too, man. You know, even people that sit there and they love to call out people who are plant-based, like, oh, they're B12 deficient. Yeah, a lot of you meat eaters are, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's not like, you know, you're getting the highest quality meat for the majority of folks. They're not, you know, and how much can you really consume? Again, once again, it's one of those things like even to get as much as you need, are you really consuming that much to get that? Because it's also yeah, you got to break it down and digest it and all that other stuff too. So man, it's never as things are not as simple as a lot of these industries try to make it. Say, oh, just get this amount and you'll feel this, or this will this will address this thing with this amount. Like really, you don't know that. If it only could be that simple, yeah, you know well, that's why personalization is so important. So you know exactly where you're at. I, I also think it's also a mistake when we can. We're going to talk about training as well, where. I think when, when someone tries to replicate someone else's program, thinking they're going to get the exact same results, as yeah. that, you may get good results, you may even get better results, but most likely you're not going to, you're, you're probably not going to get anywhere near in the ballpark because it's not taking you into the equation. Your, your, your length, your central nervous system facilitation. I mean, there's so many other factors of what works well for one person is not going to work well for another person. Right. I mean, past issues that you may have had, injuries you may have had, or, you know, there are things that you haven't addressed and you've got like this imbalance, you know, with certain muscles or whatever, because you've overcompensated for years for certain things because you haven't addressed an, an unknown injury. But you just thought like, oh, this has always been off a little bit. I'll just do this thing here to, to, to you know, to take care of that so I can still do the exercise that I want to do. You know, so there's just so many different things because like I said, nobody's, we're not carbon copies of each other. Even if that doesn't even work for twins. Okay. Even twins have their own individual things going on. Yeah. They may look alike, but they're not exactly, they'll look exactly alike. There's still something a little different about the other one where you can differentiate or whatever. So. I mean, even someone like Dorian Yates considered one of the greatest bodybuilders ever. People often ask him, how come you didn't emphasize barbell squats more? And he goes, I used to do that early in my career, but I developed some injuries. So it just wasn't a good fit for me anymore. Mm -hmm. So he found that combination of leg presses and then hack squats after and Mm -hmm. leg extensions gave him incredible development without the wear and tear. Yeah, that's just an example. And a lot of other people have tried that and it works well for them too. I mean, it's not going to work well for everyone. That's what he figured out works best for him clearly he had the results you know right, yeah he didn't have small he didn't have lack of legs development from not doing barbell squats but often people feel that if you're not doing barbell squats you're missing out completely like you have to do that and it, it's for a lot of people it's a great move for others maybe it started off as a good move now you got a couple of injuries or some limitations some flexibility limitations and now it's no longer the best fit and one thing you'll learn is if, you, if you, when you've been training as long as us is that not every move is going to be the ideal move for your entire for your body type. Yeah. Career. Hell, even so shit, even the way, you, even the way you hold the bar is not going to be as optimal, you know, right. in certain ways. I mean, just like, you know, I like to go a little lower with the bar, you know, on my, on my back when I'm doing um, barbell squats, you know, it works a little bit better for me. 
not necessarily. I mean, there's some people they put their feet in a certain what you know distance or whatever it works better for them. Like with deadlifts, you know. So again, you got to look at your body type as well, man. And again, taking account things that have happened to your body <laughs> leading yeah. up to that. And guess what? For a lot of times with me, you know, as years go on, it's ever changing. You know, the way I deadlift now, I didn't necessarily do that years ago. But back then, that was more optimal for me at that time. Not now, <laughs> you know, because the body's constantly adapting and, and changing and you need to keep up with it. You know, as far as your your approaching your attitude, it needs to be ever evolving as well and be open to change because your body's going to change whether you like it or not. Yeah. <laughs> it's one way or the other, whether it's going in the direction that you want it to go or in the way it wants to go in spite of you. So you need to keep the open mind and just see, hey. Okay, what's what's working here? Why is this feeling like this? And not to be stubborn, like, well, I'm just going to ignore that and just keep doing it this way, you know, because this is the way I have to do it. Mm, your body's saying, no, stop doing this. <laughs> we don't like this. It hurts. It's starting well, I mean, to cause- here's, here's an analogy I like to use with people, too. Like, to get the most out of the foods you eat, not only do you have to pick the right foods, you have to take your time with it. Chew it thoroughly. Don't try to blast through the meal as quickly as possible and then get back to whatever you're doing. So, when, so you're going to get more nutrition out of the food you're eating by taking your time. Now, you can say the same thing with training. You slow down the repetitions. It's more deliberate, really controlled, negative. You get actually more muscle growth and strength development from the negative than you do the concentric. And most people just, they don't even, they just, the negative is just sloppy. There's just, for example, if you're pressing a weight overhead, you just let it flop back down. Now, that's okay if your goal is to press overhead as much as possible. Maybe it's some kind of competitive thing. But you're not getting the most out of that move as you would if you slowed it down. Even with deadlifts. A lot of times with deadlifts, mm-hmm. people focus on the concentric. You're lifting it up. And then they lower just, it as quickly as possible. Not drop. Yeah. yeah, and again, that's okay if your goal is maximum, the maximum amount of weight you can lift for a competitive purpose, such as powerlifting. But if you're just a regular person, you want to have a strong back and strong glutes and strong hamstrings. Why not slow down that motion? Get so you're not missing out on it. Now you're getting the strength from lowering it. You're getting the strength from raising it. And I, the one thing that shows you real control, especially with with either lowering or raising it, is can you pause at any point? Because right. If you're really exploding from the bottom, you can't stop that because you're exploding. <laughs> right? you know? But if you're lifting it deliberately off the floor, can you stop right below the knees? Can you stop right above? And I think this is a, you, you, you're still going to get a lot stronger, but you're, it's way less wear and tear. So you're just maximizing the benefits. Get as much as you can out of curling a 25-pound dumbbell before you move up to a 35, 40, or 50. And we were talking about lap pull-downs, how that's <laughs> It's the official clown show of the gym. Lap <laughs> pull-downs, the kind of things you see people doing <laughs> on the lap pull-down machine. Oh. I saw this one lady, she was leaning back so much. Her, she was basically parallel to the floor. <laughs> and, and she just was pulling from that direction. I was like, I don't know what you're trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, where are we going with this people are very <laughs> ballistic they're very ballistic it's like look if you want to be ballistic do some kettlebell swings do olympic lifting don't go to the lab pull down machine and try <laughs> to be as explosive as you can because who cares how much you can lift on the machine i mean you could say who cares how much you can lift anywhere but especially with machines <laughs> because well, whatever, they get, no one ever walks away hey bro how much can you lap pull down <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, lat, lat pull down is actually my favorite bicep exercise with a close grip, underhand grip, and then you just do a very slow, deliberate contract the lats, pull it all the way down, slow negative. 
I mean, your arms get so pumped from that way more so than you'll ever get from just doing biceps. You're able to lift a lot more weight because your, your, your lats are in a good position. Your biceps are not going to fatigue before your lats do. So, I mean, it's, it's a, that's a really good move when done properly. Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't know what it is about that one station, man. (laughs) What it is. And even when we show between you, me, and Scott Shetler, when we were sharing like all these clown videos in the gym, yeah, yeah, it always ends up finishing in the lat pull down station. <laughs> it's always that, and it's always somebody doing some buffoonery inside the rack, the squat rack, but they're never squatting. It's always some other dumb stuff like lifting, like do, doing presses with a couch while sitting on top of a tire. I'm like, okay, first of all, how'd you get up there? And who gave you a couch once you got to the top of that tire to press that tire? <laughs> this is like the dumbest video that's going around right now. Like, what is the point of this? This is so stupid. Why are these people auditioning for stupid human tricks when David Letterman is no longer on TV? I don't understand, man. So, but again, we know why. Because it's to go viral and to do it for the web, do it for the likes, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, with with the, the optimal technique with training is you're saving your joints too. Is the other thing because the, the heavier you go, the harder it's going to be on your joints, no matter how good your technique is. That's just a reality. So that's that's just something you can minimize how hard it is on your joints by using optimal technique. But at some point, technique is going to start compromising. That's why it's it's it, it becomes deleterious to be weight focused rather than technique focused. And like Steve Maxwell has said many times, you can there's a difference between increasing weight. A lot of people don't know the difference between increasing weight and increasing intensity. You can increase intensity without increasing weight, and it's going to be less wear and tear on you as well. Yep. So and the best one of the things that's going to hamper your progress more than anything is getting injured. And I've had my share of injuries over the years, nothing super serious, fortunately, but it's like just these annoying, nagging injuries. And it's always from technique being off. It's always yeah. from doing something stupid. Yeah. I mean, for years, I mean, even if it's something you just kind of ignore and like for years, like I said, my left shoulder was jacked just from kettlebell competition, you know, you know, just from doing that. And of course it was my dominant side. And I always tell people, you know, be careful with that dominant side because you tend to get lazy with that side. You feel you're, you're less, you're less inclined to pay more attention to that because it can do so much more. You, you, you spend more time with that less, with I won't say the weaker side, but the, you know that less optimal side. You know you be paying more attention to that because in your mind you think like, well, I got to pay attention to this side because it's my weaker side and I want to get hurt. <laughs> but you don't have the same attitude with that dominant side either. You're like, oh, it's good, it'll be okay. It's kind of like when we talk about mental health. It's like you know, you know, you got friends who seem like they got their stuff together and they always seem like they're in charge of their life or whatever. And you feel like I don't have to check in on him. You know, he's good. But then the other ones who always complain or just seem like they're always worried about something, whatever, you're constantly checking in with them and making sure they're good. I was like, so it's good to have some balance because you'd be surprised. (laughs) We can can go on this tangent a little bit because I always have fun stuff to stay there. But now now we're starting to develop an epidemic of guys who want to talk too much, right? (laughs) That's the way the pendulum always swings. You know what we're talking about? Before we got on this, we were talking about the sauna. And you were talking about, you know, these guys talking to you in the sauna. I'm like, and I just got perturbed when you said that. I'm like, God, why does everybody come to the sauna to talk? It's hot. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. (laughs) I don't want to talk. They're either talking too much or everybody's on their phone. I'm like, why are you on your phone in the sauna? Like, really? 
Like it can be worse than that. I've been in those. I had to get out of the sauna one time because there was this very rotund guy in there. He kept squeezing, kept on squeezing his bitch tits to get rid of sweat. And I was like, all right, I can't be in this room. I need to get out of here right now. (laughs) I I was like, I see this corner of my vision, but I don't even turn and look. Like this big fat motherfucker who had bigger, yeah, bigger breasts than most women do out there, and he kept squeezing the sweat. He kept squeezing his own hooters. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> oh god, that was a bad visual. Oh my god. Yeah, man. Oh. oh. Oh man! I don't even use the sauna anymore, just because <laughs> yeah, for good reason. That's traumatizing. Yeah, not because yeah, that, that was that was one of the kinks. But usually, <sighs> by the time I finish a workout, I just want to go home. I don't want to go sauna. My I'm already sweating a lot. It's hot as fuck out here, so <laughs> I can just roll my windows down and drive home. <laughs> oh man! Oh gosh, man! You just if. If it wasn't so dangerous, you could probably just do your own podcast out of the sauna and just have sauna tales. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> but yeah, man. Um, that threw me off. What were we talking about? I can't get this visual of dudes in there milking himself inside the sauna right now. <laughs> yeah, I think you were talking about weak links and things that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Overcompensating. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> But yeah, it actually, like I said, time to heal either. That's another I was just about, well, I was just about to say, I said, nothing feels good right now because I I gave myself some time just to not keep pushing through or trying to lighten up what I actually just gave myself time just to leave it alone to where now I feel for the first time, like when I'm pressing, now I feel balanced. I don't feel like one shoulder is about to pop out or pop up or, you know, or there's a little twinge. You know, this one little sticking point where it's like, you know, it seemed like it all just the bone would just like pop when we, you know, pause for a second. Then it was just like pop, you know, and that pop is kind of like you've entered a danger zone. <laughs> it almost feels like, I don't know, man, it's, it's like having a sphincter <laughs> in your shoulder where it's like, okay, I've gone somewhere I should not have gone at this point, <laughs> you know, so it feels good to be balanced out now, man, where it's like, okay, everything feels good. Where I'm not constantly thinking about a certain part, like, okay, I don't want to do too much over here because this might hurt, or I might re-injure this and re-aggravate this or whatever. It's like, it feels good. And a lot of that has come down to what we're talking about. Like I said, just those slow, you know, eccentric-like moves as well. Like I said, those slow negatives have been my friend as of late. Yeah. It feels good to kind of get back to that. It's been a long time. I really focused on the negatives. And um so. Man, try doing five pull-ups where you hold the top for a second. Oh, I know, and creep down. Oh, and then you don't explode at the bottom. Dead hang, yep. concentrated, eccentric. You don't explode. You just squeeze and lift up slowly. Hold yep. the top lower under four seconds. Man, you're gonna get more out of five repetitions out of that than just banging out reps ten, fifteen. Yeah. So always look at get the maximize the most you can out of something before you progress in terms of adding more weight. Because there's other ways to increase intensity. Hey, there's a life. There's a life lesson in that. That carries over to other parts of your life. Think about it. <laughs> you're being really efficient with money. You can be really efficient with your training because you're maximizing every part of it before progressing. Yep. Exactly. <clears throat> Especially these days, money-wise, <laughs> you want to get the most out of whatever you have. 
But look, if you're gonna pay ten bucks for a jar of peanut butter now, you know you want to make sure they <laughs> you want to stretch that out. You don't want to you don't want to sit there and just like go through and just like okay, well I'm gonna start the day off with a shake, you know, and I'm gonna put a big three big globs of peanut butter in it. Then you have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and then it's like nah, bro, you need to stretch this out, bro. <laughs> like, you need to be oh. judicious with that uses. I'll tell you, the biggest fans of peanut butter in this household are my dogs. Dogs, man, what? my dogs love it. I'm looking at them like, hey, man, that's why I don't give that to them. I let my wife do it because they can look at me. If I'm having peanut butter, they don't even bother coming near me. They know I'm not sharing because that's where I want to train them that way. Whereas my wife grabs it. Oh, they already like, they just run up like, all right, feed us. And she goes, oh. I said, well, that's how you train them now. They expect if you, if they smell peanut butter and see it in your hands, you're the one giving it to them. They look at me like, ah, oh, F that guy. He's not sharing. He's an asshole. Well, in this, <laughs> this stage, uh, in this stage of Grover's life, it's all fun food because he's towards the end. You know, we lost our dog, Mickey, a couple yeah. of weeks ago. And Grover's 18. Mickey was 18. Grover's 18. So he's mm-hmm. done really well. He's still, he's, he's doing fine. Uh, hopefully he gets through the end of this year, or, uh, even longer, as long as he's healthy and feeling good. Yeah. But one thing is he's very picky with eating now. He doesn't want dog food kibble. So I just give him his favorite foods. I make yeah. I make him and Raina a peanut butter sandwich every night. I use Ezekiel bread, put a yeah. bunch of butter on there because I want to keep his weight up. So I'm just giving him calorie-rich foods. Mm-hmm. Cut that thing up in pieces. It's a big treat for them. They love oh, that. Yeah, I can just imagine. <laughs> Go right through that. <laughs> Hell. You have to you have to get creative with older dogs because their appetites towards yeah. I mean, it, very picky. Yeah, I mean, I mean, people are the same way. <laughs> I have to kind of stay on my mom, or whatever. Like, ah, I didn't feel like eating. I said, you need to eat, woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said, you you're not in a position to like. Oh, I didn't feel like eating. You need to eat. You need some. So, and, and once <laughs> I introduce exact, a, pro- exact opposite problem of the average person. <laughs> oh, I know. Like, how often do you have to tell the average person, "Look, man, you need to eat. <laughs> what are you doing? You're not eating enough." <laughs> and then, like, there's just there's just um. These these green juices that I you know I introduced her. Once she started drinking them, she started feeling so much better. Then she kind of like started feel like okay, that's all I need. I'm getting all these vegetables. Already. I'm like, yeah, I still need you to eat. I, need, I still need you to use your teeth, chew some things. Okay, <laughs> so I'm like, you're at an age where people have no choice but to drink things. Okay, they can't chew things anymore. So utilize those teeth, woman. <laughs> you know. So, but we, I, like I said, I just noticed, like I said, when it's even though it, it does seem like it's rare, but Truly, it just depends on the culture, wherever you are, or whatever. But the older people get, the less they want to eat. Yeah, you know, again, because the body knows, like, hey, we're almost done here. We don't need to be doing. We don't need to be taking all these nutrients and trying to survive. You're like, hey, we're we're about to wrap this up, <laughs> okay? You know what happens with dogs when they I mean, it's for similar reasons actually for dogs and people with dogs they start getting dementia if they live old enough. My Mickey, our Maltese, he had he basically had pretty much full blown dementia towards the end where be, you just had to pick him up and put him outside for, for him to use the bathroom. You had to give him right. food, give him his favorite food so that he would actually eat something because otherwise he would just not remember to do anything. Right. Just, those, would, those instincts, you know, those, like we said, survival instincts are pretty much gone now, you know? Yeah. Sometimes dogs become way more isolated as they get older too, because they're in a lot of discomfort. So they just want to be by themselves. That that's the hard thing as as being a, a dog guardian is that mm-hmm. knowing when it's time. It's time, you're man. Yeah. Any, you're not doing them any. I mean, sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes they're in very apparent pain. They're whimpering. They're whining. They don't want to eat. I mean, sometimes it's obvious. I, my my dog Mona was like that towards the end. You know, the yeah. last you could just tell she was miserable. So you're not giving you're not doing her any favors, keeping her alive. 
Well, with Mickey, he's Mickey. It was hard to tell how much discomfort he's in. But when we took him to the vet, and the vet basically gave us a breakdown of how much discomfort he's in, at that point, you're not doing him any favors. Right. You're just keeping him alive for the sake for of yourself. Life. You know, because you, you're not ready to let go. You know, yeah. a lot of times they're ready to let go, it's, it's, and it's not up to you at that point. You know? But Mickey was very isolated. He used to come into my office and he had his playpen was in here and he would be in here probably 20 hours a day. He would come out to drink water, get something to eat, use the bathroom and go right back. He didn't want to be social. And he used to be, he used to want to be with us wherever we are. Yeah. Grover is the same age. Grover still wants to be around though. So that's a really good sign. So if, yeah. we're, if we're watching TV in the den, he wants to be there. If, if, he, if we go to sleep, he wants to come upstairs. In fact, I carry him down the stairs every morning because I, he'll still try to do it, but he's got cataracts. His hind legs are getting weaker now. He's got the arthritis. I don't want him to fall down a steep staircase. Right, right. So that's why he goes up at fine, no problem. And I want him to sleep near us because I know it's good for his mental health to be around him. Now, not to force him to sleep by himself downstairs. He's not going to feel good. He wants to be around us. He's still feeling that connection, you know. Yeah, so I want him to be around us. But, But the key is I don't want him to fall down the stairs. So I carry him down every morning. And uh, that's why he's he's he has a reason to live because he's, right. he's still enjoying life. You know, he's still the fact that he still wants to be around us. He still wants to eat. He's not in any apparent physical discomfort. Nothing serious. I mean, he's in some minor. He's in some discomfort, but he doesn't look like he's in a lot of pain. Yeah, it's just that it's the aging discomfort. You know. Yeah. Come with and, you know, then you have people where psh, you know, if they just get a high vet bill, they're like, "Well, let's just put him down." <laughs> that's, that's, that's the other extreme. <laughs> so now, imagine if they treated people that way. It's just like <laughs> your wife gets a high hospital bill. Like you know, it's <laughs> like <laughs> so, you know what? <laughs> I don't know. It's just like you know, what? Just, <laughs> what just, 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 <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna find. She's gonna find out real fast. You look like, at the bill. You're like, wait a minute. Twelve hundred dollars for an ambulance ride? You know what? Next time, just leave her ass in the in the bedroom. Let her bleed out. Shit, it's cheaper. <laughs> Plus, I make money. She'll die. I get insurance. Okay, it's <laughs> she won't have to suffer anymore. Neither will I. <laughs> oh shit. Oh man. <clears throat> <laughs> to my note to self also to cut back on some of those hospital bills always ask for an itemized as receipt or itemized bill that's another little hack right there yeah. and a lot of times you can get out of paying a lot of that stuff it's so funny how these little things you get rewarded with which is like bucking the system you know right. like <laughs> you know like you know getting forgiven ten twenty thousand dollars on a student loan because you made some <laughs> bad choices about your education <laughs> you know and, and all of you that paid off your student loans, yeah. F you. <laughs> yeah, you have, you have a master's degree in women's studies, and now you finally realize that there's no, it's not marketable. In the market <laughs> <To my>, oh. <laughs> like, I have, a, I, have a, I have a PhD in women's studies. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, and, I, and I got a 16, and I got a 16 year old little brother too, who's just as qualified. <laughs> he studies women all the damn time. <laughs> He is a house full of sisters. Okay, so yeah. we saved a lot of money with that one. <laughs> I think that I think it's interesting how a focus on efficiency carries over in so many areas. Whether it's making money, spending money, whether it's eating food, making food, whether it's training, that you focus on 
how can I get the most impact out of each effort? Even if it's running errands, you be efficient. When you're like, you know, okay, on this day, I need to go to this store and this store. Let me go right. to those on the same day because they're closer together. I don't, have to, right. I don't have to waste as much gas, you know, because they're all within the same little perimeter. Oh, I need to go on this side of town to do this. Well, let me do this on a day when I'm probably going to have something else I need to do on, in going in that direction. So I can make it efficient. But there's some people like they're doing something where they have to go across town to do this, then go on the other side of town, do this, and then do the other side of town, do this. And they're like going to five or six different places, but they travel like two, 300 miles in the, in the same city they live in, you know, and just to pick up one or two things or do one or two things or whatever, instead of trying to find a way to efficiently put it all together. Right. And say more because, and but then they'll be on social media bitching about gas prices. <laughs> yeah i'll tell you what's not efficient is taking a picture of the receipt and posting it and yeah no one cares yeah yeah no one cares. guess what you're not the only one you're not the one you're not the last car in america okay that needs to get gas no but it's but it's say people who complain together often stay together <laughs> or people who complain together become good friends together whatever the saying it's is. very tribal you know yeah, because complaining is a bonding experience for a lot no, of people. I call, it's trauma bonding, but that's not even real trauma. <laughs> no, that's well that that that's my point about why no one should post it because it's such a trivial problem that it's it's like we're supposed to feel sorry for you for this big deal. Well, I mean it's very privileged at the fact that you can actually get on your nine twelve hundred dollar phone and post a picture on social media about these gas prices saying that you know you're going broke. <laughs> it's not like you're using I don't know, uh, a Motorola Razor to post this stuff <laughs> or you're still using a Blackberry, you know, it's like, um, yeah, how much is that phone that you're posting this picture cost? You know, so, but it, again, it's very privileged for the fact that you actually have time in your day that you can post something complaining about gas prices when there are people who don't even have a car, will never have a car. They're, they're happy if they can even get clean water that day and they probably can't. <laughs> so, so it's like, like I said, it just becomes this this thing. It becomes a conversation when you have nothing to talk about. It kind of goes back to you talking about the dog park and, you know, right. people talking about home improvement, you know, and, and politics and, and what they, what they've eaten that day, because most people are not really living an interesting life. Right. Or don't even know what a, an interesting life would even look like for them because they bought into the fact that this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to talk about politics. You're supposed to talk about what you eat. You're supposed to. You know, talking about the you know, home improvement because that's what people talk about or, or talk about the weather. Like, man, look at all this rain we're getting. Yeah, I'm here. I live here. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm witnessing it. You know, so you kind of just kind of buy into the culture of these things instead of questioning those those things at the same time. So, look, man, my thing is, hey, if if gas is too high, I, I try to limit where I'm going. If it's not truly, truly necessary, I cut it out. Stay home. Honestly, it's cheaper to stay home anyway. So as soon as you walk out the door, the, the money, the money machine is getting started at that point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the clock is ticking now. It's just like, uh, the meter. like yeah, the, the meter. Because as soon as you walk out the door, there is somebody competing for to take money out of your pocket. As soon as you walk out that door. Hell, as soon as you log on to that computer, it starts. <laughs> so, so even that helps to keep your computer off or your phone out of your hand. Because somebody is buying to take money away from you all the freaking time, man. <laughs> so you just got to be efficient who you decide to give it to. <laughs> but as with anyone, just like with training, just take some time to put some thought into it 
and make it work for you. And if it's not, change it up. Figure out what is, you know. I mean, I think I don't. I don't think you can ever go wrong by being very pedantic about optimal technique. Just being very fixated on optimal technique. Maybe make, it's not enough. To, I mean, I mean, if I lift something heavy, I don't want to just lift something heavy. I want it to look good. I want people right. like that technique looks great on that. That, that looks effortless. That looks effortless. That's cool. Well, that's a cool sensation. If I lift something heavy, but it looks like my body's about to break in half and <laughs> hoarding, and it's, it's, I never, I mean, you're never going to see me doing that because I never do that. I never take it to that point at this, because who cares? You know, who cares? Right. Especially at this stage when you've been, I've been working out since I was 18. I don't have anything to prove to anybody at this point. For, this is solely for me. Like we we're talking about how we both used to train other people. And now we, we work out just for ourselves now. That's like, cool. It feels so good, man. It's like, huh, it's just me, you know? And I don't care whether you're looking at me weird or whatever else, because I don't care, <laughs> you know, or to the point like we were saying, like, you can always tell when people realize you know what you're doing, because it becomes just as much a spectacle to them as the person that's convulsing, you know, in, in the lat pull down station, <laughs> you know, because it's like you see that guy and then you see a guy like, hmm, OK, look how that guy's doing that deadlift. OK, he's not being spastic. He looks very focused. You know, and and very on point with that. Yeah, What's that guy about? You're not making a lot of grunting sounds. Exactly. No <laughs> yeah. so he's listening all that quietly. Okay. <laughs> he's not slamming it down either. He, okay. I watched this one powerlifter at some competitions. Huge black guy, and he deadlifted 900 pounds or something. Nothing. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the thing that impressed me the most about it is he put that bar down with so much control. It barely made a sound when he put it on the floor. I was like, man, if that guy can do that with 900 pounds, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, I should, I should do that with whatever I'm doing. So all of a sudden, I became way more focused on let's play around with just doing really pronounced negatives, very slow and controlled or working some pauses there. And my body's not used to this. So it's interesting. It's a nice shock to the system. Too, yeah. Because I've never trained like this before. Even out of all the years I've trained, I've never really focused on slow negatives. I was, I was always right. focused on how much weight I can lift. So now just playing around with stuff, even using machines. I've never been much a machine guy, but some of the machines I like for these slow, deliberate motions because they're yeah. for that. <clears throat> yeah, like another one that like felt really good was like doing um the on the machine doing a decline um chest press. Right. You know, and then doing a real slow technique with that because man, the bottom of my pecs were on fire. A couple of days later, man. I'm like, okay, I haven't, I haven't felt this. Exactly what it worked. <laughs> it was like, I haven't felt this section in a long freaking time. <laughs> no, dragon flags are another good one. I mean, most people yeah. can't even do one rep. It's a very difficult exercise. Yeah. Probably when you do them slow, I mean, really, the only way to do it is slow and control it because yeah, because otherwise you just, yeah, just can't just imagine somebody just like just dropping their legs and just shooting <laughs> back trying, up and trying. <laughs> Like, what are you bounce off the bench? That's not going to go well. That's for <laughs> sure. You don't see anyone doing ballistics. No, that's not going to end well. <laughs> oh, gosh. But yeah, you get a lot out of that move just with the lowering. So even yeah. people that can't do a concentric rep, just just kick yourself into place with it. And, and then just slow. Control. Man, you get a lot out of that. You get a you, lot You'd be that. sweating like a pig, too, man. You know, just doing that. You do hanging leg raises, but you really lower slowly. That's way more difficult than just raising up, actually. Yeah, my my abs just hurt thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you mid, you're mid you I mean, because you, the whole point of doing the move is to work your abs. Okay, It'll feel like somebody's been punching you in the stomach for a while, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's another one of those fun stations to watch in the gym when people yeah. are doing those leg raises. Like, are you trying to, are you trying to like knee yourself in the face? Are you having a, a private UFC fight with yourself over there? <laughs> Jeez, man. No, but the people I see with really good technique, both men and women, they always have really good physiques because your body follows. If you have really sloppy technique, you're going to have a your sloppy. Your body sloppy. Yeah. yeah. Some people are just genetic freaks. They can just lift whatever they want. I mean, Mike Tyson's an example. I remember I saw Mike Tyson at a gym in Maryland when I was at a sport and health club. Mm-hmm. He had the worst technique ever. He was doing these ballistic curls, you know, like everything that you could possibly do wrong, he was doing. <laughs> and this is when he was ridiculously jacked. So clearly yeah. it didn't matter. But doesn't mean that he couldn't have gotten better (laughs) right (laughs) by doing it properly but that but but if you think you're going to replicate what he has by doing what he was doing you're going to be in for a rude awakening (laughs) only thing you're going to replicate is a very high chiropractic bill (laughs) (laughs) you blow your back off about that I'll tell you, talking about imbalances another really good usage of money is just having an active release technique practitioner that you can go to because we're fortunate. We have a guy down the street from us. And a lot of times I can get in there the same day. So if I get a, a minor injury at the gym, I can go to him. He can kick it out in one or two sessions rather than me just hobbling around for a week. Yeah. Also you you get feedback on, okay, it's like, Hey, you, you're putting way more weight on this leg than the others. It looks like you have an imbalance here. He's checking out your technique. You get out a lot out of someone like that. Yeah. I've been going to active release technique practitioner since I was in my mid twenties. Yeah, and, I know you, you brought you know you discussed this many times on the show. Oh yeah, you know the benefits of having you know ART. Yeah, man, it's good stuff because a lot of people are just in pain, and you know what's funny is whenever I tell people about this guy's name is Doctor Booth, people always go, "Oh, does insurance cover that, or how much does it cost?" I was like, what? "Who cares how much it costs, man? You're in fucking apparent pain." It's funny to me that people will blow money on their cable bill or an expensive dinner or, or their car or their fucking land, their house, their landscaping. But when it comes to your own body, which you don't get another, you can buy another house, you can buy another car, you can get new clothes, you can you can mow your own lawn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they're always, but when it comes to their health, they're always tire kicking, they're always shopping. Now, yeah, now that now they want to have a good deal. It's like first of all, it's not that expensive, but second of all, if you're in pain, who gives a fuck? You have the money, you're in pain, go get it fixed. Why do you just want to be in, uncomfortable unnecessarily? Yeah, it's always. I even see that even. <laughs> In the personal defense world, like people, you know, uh, how much do you charge, you know, you know, for your, your beginner handgun class, but they'll have all the Gucci gear. They got, you know, they, they got the fancy holsters. They got, you know, they got night vision. I'm like, well, what life, what kind of lifestyle do you have? <laughs> Who are you, honey? You know, whatever else, you know, they got the helmets, they got the vest, they got all this stuff. They show up to all the, you know, the classes just dressed up, like I said, LARPing big time, you know, just straight up looking like they're about to go to war. It looks like a looks like a scene right out of Call of Duty. But then they want to ask you, like, how much do you charge for one hour training? And it's like, oh, OK, well, let me I'm going to check and call. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not even going to let you even get that far in the conversation. But I'm like, dude, it's like or why? Why does it even matter if this is your safety? Why are you trying to price your safety? At this point, you've already been to my website. You see, you see my expertise. You see my background. You see my training, whatever else. The fact that you went on the website and you still called already says that you can afford it (laughs) right there. So there's no need to be shopping. And in this world, I don't want to get the cheapest deal. It's like when people (laughs) with LASIK and then people go like, you know, pay for one. I get one eye free. 
Bitch, I don't <laughs> want a deal right now. Okay, this is not the time you're trying to give me a deal. Uh, I want the best person, whoever's done that surgery. For exactly. That. I'm not trying to get confused if they fuck it up. <laughs> I'm not trying to get surgery on sale. What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> We're running a thyroid cancer chemo sale. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> Sometimes you got to quit being a cheap ass. Man. <laughs> the thing is like all these other things that you think matter, your nice house, your cars and all that, they, they, they're not going to matter at all. If you don't have your health, that's just exactly. If you're not there to actually enjoy them. Like you have a nice house that you can't even walk in. Okay. It's not even ADA friendly because now your ass is confined to a wheelchair or whatever. And you're having a hard time moving around in your nice house because you've had this hip issue going on for 20, 30 years and you never addressed it because your right. insurance didn't cover it or you didn't have insurance period. In fact, you spent more money on a house and didn't even have any health insurance. <laughs> Our houses burn down quickly, bro. <laughs> you know, but this health thing, this can go on for years and years and years. And as it goes along, it's like compound interest. It brings, it picks up other things along the way and builds up. So, I mean, it also, I mean, if you lose your wealth, the better your health is, the more your ability to regain, regain that wealth. Regain it, exactly. or surpass, you know? <laughs> You want to be energy. You don't have energy to do stuff. That's to your detriment. Yeah. <clears throat> I think a lot of times people don't realize all these things all coincide. They all work together. There's a synergy that goes with all this. You know, it's not just the things you see on a YouTube video, a motivational video. Like, what are the five things that all billionaires do? And that's the only time people kind of get interested in like, oh, they read books. Oh, they meditate. Oh, they, they work out, <laughs> you know. They spend time alone out in nature. So it's always, a lot of times it becomes this thing when you're trying to emulate these people. Right. You know, instead of just like, yeah, yeah, a lot of that seems like it's common sense, but it's not until there's somebody that you're trying to be like. So if that, that's what it takes for some people, then so be it. But the thing is, a lot of times people, they just watch that and like, okay, and they move on because they look for another one now. Let me watch another motivational video and another one and another one like, at the end of the day, a lot of those things are a waste of time because the only thing that's going to motivate you is you. And that's what it really comes down to. I always laugh when people call themselves a motivational speaker. I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> you might have to about motivation is very simple. If, if you need it, you crave it, it's probably a goal you don't care about achieving. Now, that's right. the real problem. Then you have to ask yourself, why don't I care about achieving this goal? And that's something for you and your therapist to talk about. Probably has something to do with something that happened to you in your childhood that you don't remember. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people beat themselves up like, well, I'm supposed to care about this, but I don't. So something's wrong with me. No, not necessarily something's wrong I mean, with you. But some things have happened. Life is your choice. You know, like some people are like, look, I don't care about being healthy. I love eating food. I love doing this. And it's like, hey, you know what? That's your life. That's your life to live. But don't complain. <laughs> don't complain. Like, man, I can I just can't get rid of these, get rid of this weight, man. I don't understand. Like, why it's not going anywhere? Like, bro, have you seen you leaving McDonald's anytime? <laughs> yeah, nothing irritates me more than people that talk about their weight because that they're they're doing all the wrong things they know they're doing the wrong things and then they're surprised that somehow they're not getting the results that they claim they want <laughs> like what did you expect to happen and then they like and the easy thing to do is be like well you know once you get older you start accumulating fat nope. like, you do nope. i don't <laughs> you know why a lot of people have a lot of stomach fat because they have high stress i don't have high stress right. <laughs> so there's no reason for my body to accumulate a lot of stomach fat right. <laughs> i'm not burning cortisol all day long what am i stressed about Personal life's good. Professional life's good. Health is good. 
I'm str- the things that stress me out are suffering of other beings like kids yeah. that human trafficking or animals that are being su- that are suffering yeah that's stressful but it's even more stressful if you're not doing anything about it yeah that's the thing <laughs> you exactly. you're actually doing stuff about it you know you can't solve everything but at least you feel proactive like well let me do something about this because right away that's empowering yeah can't save every dog but you can go rescue one and that's going to make all the difference to that dog i can guarantee you that and you can't, can't, see re- you can't rescue time. every dog, but you can donate to, you know, the no-kill shelters, yeah, you know, you yeah. and help them. You can foster, you can foster oh. dogs, help them get in, into a new home. You can retweet when they're doing, you know, a, a foster day, you know, or an adoption day. You can just retweet it, repost it, you know. You don't, know, who, you don't know who's going to see that in your timeline. It's like, you know what? I, my cousin in New York, she, she, she's been wanting a dog, and hey – Okay, here's that here's that rescue shelter in this sanctuary or whatever in New York. And let me let me tell her about it. I just happened to see it on this guy in Houston. He had reposted it. You never know. You know yeah. he's out there, man. Well, I'll tell you, I, I post I don't post much about my personal life, but every once in a while I post clips and me having a good time with the dogs. And I'll tell you the reason why I do that is for the feedback I got from a, a great guy, one of my customers recently. He said, mm-hmm. I love seeing your clips of your dogs because you're having so much fun and it looks nice to have around. He goes, you know, I'm going to get a place now that allows dogs because I want to have some furry friends like that. I was like, cool, man. Good. Yeah. That's the kind of thing I want to motivate people to do. And that's what I want to show is that I mean, it goes a long way then. You know what? You need to go out and foster, you know, adopt, don't shop. And you just, and you constantly saying that uh, eventually people become mute to that. Yeah. They know, do. But, they but do. when they see it, you know, they're like, oh man. Yeah. And they start thinking like, I actually want to have fun like that. Wow. Even if they may have had an experience well, or they've never had an animal before, or they may have had a negative experience or something like that. And that negative experience may not necessarily be with the animal itself, but it may have been with a parent that, you know, like we're never getting a dog. I hate dogs. Or they're doing this or dogs are do this. And they're this problem. They heard all this negativity growing up. So they've been kind of conditioned to think like, ah, last thing I want to do is have an animal and have to take care of one because they've heard how much of a responsibility it is and why it's a pain and whatever growing up, listen to adults talk about it, right. you know, but then they see all this like, well, no, man, this dude looks pretty damn happy. And I know he's busy, but he still finds time to have fun. Like, Hmm. And then next thing you know, you never know. They might go and go to, you know, a shelter or something and just go for that weekend just to go walk a dog. Just kind of, it's kind of like, I hate to compare it to a car, but it's kind of like you go test drive a car before you buy right. it. To see right. if you know if it's a good fit for you. Same thing. So I suggest, hey, go to that, go to that shelter, that sanctuary, and go and walk the dogs for an hour or two and see how you two get along. Yeah, you know, just see how you feel when you do that. You know, well, and then from there, the next step, go foster if you're ready to do that. You know, just to see what it's like, or you know, just keep one overnight. You know, just okay. kind of see how you gel with that, how it works when it's actually in your environment amongst your your things. Because some people are very you know particular about their stuff. Like, because guess what? They're going to want to get on your things because they're in this home that they think is going to be theirs too. You know, so instead of just going all out like some people do, like, I want a dog and they go get a dog and they're the worst people to have a dog. Just like some people are like, I have a penis, you have a vagina, we're married, let's go make a kid. No, 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 no. It's not that simple. <laughs> it's like, are you qualified to be a parent? Oh my gosh, are you really yeah. ready to have kids? Yeah. Just because you can produce doesn't mean you're going to be productive. <laughs> okay. Hell, it's, uh, taking care of a dog is a good first step to see yeah. whether you're a good parent. Because if you can't even do that well, <laughs> what makes you think you're going to be a good parent? Well, here's the one thing about it. Dogs usually don't talk back. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it gets a little... The, the, you up the ante when you actually bring in a human that talks. Because that's, that's usually where the thing... That's where the challenges really begin. 
because that means they're thinking and they're saying things and they're questioning things. They're challenging things. They're telling you things. You know, a dog's feedback is very simple. Hey, man, I'm hungry. Hey, man, don't abuse me. Hey, man, give me some love. I don't right. care if it's just five, ten minutes. Ten minutes is good for a lot of dogs. They're like, all right, that's enough. A cat is ten seconds. <laughs> it's like, all right, quit touching me, human. You're creepy. <laughs> yeah, a lot of dogs really have things figured out. I mean, Raina and I go to almost the same park every day. And I'll mm-hmm. be honest, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm tired of walking around this neighborhood. Even though it's a nice neighborhood, I've been doing it for a long time. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you who's not bored is her. It's never <laughs> right. It's never boring to get in the car and drive somewhere. That's always exciting. It's never it's, it's never boring to go to the park, even if we don't run into other dogs. I mean, she loves other dogs, and that's the big highlight. But even if we don't, she loves exploring. She wants to be outside. Yeah. And then she's super calm for the rest. But by the time we get home, she's good for the evening. Hey, it's man, like, it's just like a kid. Time. It's like a kid. When you take kids and let them play in the park or whatever else, look, man, a tired kid is a good kid. <laughs> so, yeah, I remember one of my cousins brought her kids over. This years ago, and we were at Mandalay Bay, and and – her daughter especially was just super hyper. So I said, okay, here's what we're going to do, kids. Every time we come across one of these staircases, we're going to race up of it. We're going to run up it as fast as possible. And after maybe the fourth or fifth, she's like, okay, I don't think I want to do that anymore. <laughs> she was tired, but she was yep. initially, I was like, you know what? I, I'm an energetic adult. So we're going to work this energy out. And everyone's going to be happy. And everyone was happy. <laughs> so you say, you're not, you're not a mis, you're not misbehaving. You just have a lot of energy. You exactly. Want to do it's like, it's just it. like I'm dogs. Like, a lot of times, you know, they're full of energy because they need to get out and do something. Hey, look, even as you know, it's my energy is still really good. I'm, I do everything yeah. right to keep sure my energy is good. So a lot of, I'm like that too. I'm like, you know I what? I get restless I'm, sometimes, yeah. man. Yeah, I need to go skateboard. I was like, let me take Raina to the park. We're going to go skating for the next three hours. And both of us are good after that. Yeah. So people need activity. Everybody needs activity to be healthy. And trust me, it really helps with mental health big time, you know? Oh, absolutely, man. Those keep, walks that I do every day. Keep that brain stimulated, keep it active, and also keep that brain from focusing on shit that just, like, a lot of times it's not even real, true, you know, or keeps, you out, keeps it out of those dark places. So give it enough activity. The only dark place it wants to be is sleep <laughs> in a dark room with blacked out curtains, you know? And definitely invest in those and get those in your life. Blackout curtains of the bomb, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, those are great. We definitely have those. You have to have those in Las Vegas. I mean, sh- yeah, just so bright out here. Yeah. <laughs> you have these half-assed curtains. <laughs> <laughs> those, she- <laughs> those, those Kleenexes that they cover your windshield. Yeah, the kind of curtains we had back in the East Coast, believe me, that's not going to black out jack shit out here. <laughs> Come on, you need, I, you need them out here for two things. Not only is it bright, it's hot. So you need to kind of just stab off like the, the the heat from Texas, you know, with those black eye curtains, because it'll end up making your room hot, which makes you have to turn your AC down even more, which makes your light bill go out, just go through the roof. So that's another thing. Yeah, well, it's one of my, one of my, one of our listeners. I don't know if it's a listener of this or just someone who's a, in my newsletter, but he asked if, if I'm ever going to talk about all the ins and outs of Las Vegas, like the favorite restaurants, hotels, and all that. Right. I go, I don't know if I care to do an entire episode of that. Also, I don't really want people going to where I like to go. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I was like, I don't want a bunch of people going to these great places. Hey, Mike. Hey, man. I can't even get I'm still listening to the show. Hey, man. <laughs> Hey, man, you like, come over there. I want to keep to myself. There's no benefit to me for everyone else knowing like all these great places to go to. <laughs> but one thing that's funny about people who live in Vegas, this is, the, this is the thing I always find really funny, is that people who live off Strip, such as Henderson, the suburbs, mm-hmm. they, they hate the Strip. They never go to the Strip. I've had people tell me they haven't gone to the Strip in 10 years, five yeah. years. 
And I and they're like, oh, it's so expensive. It's so this. I was like, yeah, that's true. It is all those things. But it's also where you go to have fun, motherfucker. And that's why you guys are so boring. That's why you guys are talking about home repairs and fucking where to get eggs and steak for $2 at the South Point. <laughs> because, because you never go to the strip anymore. That's oh. what fun is, man. <laughs> you have a good time. We do a staycation. We're not doing it at the South Point or at Green Valley Ranch. You know, we're going to the strip because we want to have some fun. And you can have a really good time if you're spending the night there. <laughs> you don't have to worry about any responsibilities. Yeah. People are going to South Point. Talking about South Point, steak and eggs. It's like, really? <laughs> but I think some of the things that make people get into a rapidly aging state, number one, dressing like a dork. You know, forget about your testosterone level. Although your testosterone, you may be dressing like a dork because you have one <laughs> Hey, tell me, tell me, tell me, when your testosterone goes down, those pants go up. <laughs> Once you start wearing cargo cargo shorts with white socks, right? It's all downhill from there. Those cargo shorts are pulled up to your belly button. So <laughs> then defeats the purpose of cargo shorts. I mean. Then you have a polo shirt tucked in with a belt. Button to the top. It's like, <laughs> it's like can we make this outfit dorkier? We couldn't do it if we tried. <laughs> or the white two socks with deck shoes like what are you doing man what is that <laughs> stop that and then there's nothing more embarrassing than these guys at the barber shop whose wives are on site giving directions to the barber because this guy can't even make a decision why are you bringing your wife to the barber shop <laughs> first of all that's a violation man come on <laughs> You know, I, I go to a place called the Man Cave, which is anything yeah. but Man Cave because it was made by a woman. And all the all the, all the barbers are women, and none of that. And I'm not saying that any of that in a derogatory way because they're all really good barbers. But this is not a barber shop like the one you go to where it's all men because the kind of stuff you talk about there, you're not going to talk about at this place. You're not going to have these free flowing, unfiltered conversations where everyone's having a good time. Because I mean, come on, women, there's like for the women listening. Do you really want your man at the beauty shop with you yeah, yeah. or the nail salon Giving directions to the stylist on how to get your, how to, <laughs> what kind of hairstyle you should have? Do you really need to wash your hair that long? <laughs> that water's not hot enough. It's like, and no guy wants to go. So there's never been a problem <laughs> no. up at the beauty shop with their wives and just sitting there going like, why is this guy here? <laughs> you don't definitely want, you don't want him there. listening to the conversation you have either. <laughs> <laughs> And some of you guys don't want to be there present for the conversation. Your woman's probably having to talk you. Yeah. But, I, but I, I think what puts someone in a rapidly aging state more than anything else is just lack of enthusiasm for really anything. You're not learning any new skills. You're not excited about anything. I mean, that's really bad for your mental health. Yeah. That's, that's just putting your mind into a cortisol drip type scenario. Where yeah, you're just you got to be excited about stuff. What's the point of being alive if you're not excited about anything? Hey, what's 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 exciting about Groundhog's Day? <laughs> because that's what you're living, basically. You know, you wake up, see your shadow, you go back in your hole, <laughs> you know? and just hit repeat. So there's nothing exciting about that. <laughs> uh, to me, as a young person, it was always very important to develop a career of something I really enjoy doing, but also something that's going to be. At least lucrative enough for my needs, so that I have options. That's what yeah, happens. Just, it's funny because um, you, you have in life the happier you are because you can tell people to fuck off, which is very important for your happiness. <laughs> and 
and you can pick and choose things you want to get into because people come at me with opportunities that some of them may be lucrative, but if I don't have any interest, I just say it right off the bat. I don't, let's not waste any time here. Again, you know what? It's just not something I'm really interested in doing. It's like, yeah, I understand the possible financial upside, but if I don't have any interest in doing it, it's not going to be a great outcome. And I don't want to put stuff out there that's half-assed. I just don't want to do it. Yeah, this is crazy because uh, we kind of touched on this before we started talking. You know, um, <clears throat> just even like right now, like I said, we're going. This is a very economic trying time for people, but it's also a time where people are thinking like, okay, what can I do to kind of protect myself and hedge against all this stuff that's going on and what and the bigger things to come? Because trust me, we're just at the beginning of this recession stuff right now. So it was funny because uh, my little brother reached out to me. He just asked like, hey, you know. You know, he had a quick question. He's like, you know, if you had a certain amount of money, you know, he said how much, you know, to invest, you know, what would you invest in to see a fast return on your money to invest more? Yeah. You know, one of the first, so that right there, like I was telling you, I said two things you you don't want to have in the same sentence together is invest in fast return, <laughs> you know, because nine times out of 10, if, it, if you can get it quickly, it's probably not good for you. It's not good for you. And it's definitely not something that you're going to have some longevity with. So one thing about when you're, you, when you're actually, when you're investing in something, you, you're putting, you want, you want that thing to grow over time. That's what an investment is. You, if you get a one night stand, you know, that's not a relationship. Okay. That's a quickie. You know, that's a, that's a quick return right there. It's not an investment. Investment is putting some time and, you know, committing to it and really trying to break it down and understand it and, and, going along with the journey a long way to try to make it really successful. So, you know, of course, I just told him, I said, look, dude, you know, we're in a, you know, a bear market in the recession right now. And, you know, there's really, there's really no good fast returns of solid investments during this time, you know, but the smart thing to do is to, you know, buy and hold quality investments, you know, something like a stock and great companies or index funds, you know, especially right now with all the prices, you know, being at these all time lows, you're getting stuff on sale, man. So, you know, you know, something else like real estate, again, something gains even more value over time. And, but the one thing I told him to invest in is most important is himself, you know, because, and you know, that comes with like learning a new skill. Yeah. You know, and partly and then to a side hustle, you know, at the same time, you know, so that, like I said, that's again, that's some, that's an investment in yourself. That's not something you're going to flip quickly. You know, you're going to learn these things overnight. But the thing is, well, one thing about it, once you immerse yourself and, you know, and spend a lot of time learning this new skill or whatever and becoming, you don't even have to be an expert at it, but just be good enough, better than the, the average person that's claiming to be an expert. Then right. you're going to be on top and you, you can be able to charge more and do more and create more from that. So I always tell people, this is the perfect time right now to bet on yourself and create things and really invest in yourself and find that side hustle, you know, while things were slow. I mean, one of the best times was during the pandemic, during that time when everybody was stuck at home. But then there's a lot of people, you know, was just trying to stay healthy and, you know, get through it and get through the shock of all that. But, you know, here we are right back in a different type of pandemic. We're in a financial pandemic now, you know, because of the pandemic it was one. Well, one of the reasons because of the pandemic. So there are a lot of people who are working from home. There's some people not working at all. So you got to really start, you know, gut checking like, hey, man. Now, what is it that can interest you right now that you can parlay into, you know, you know, a side hustle? And even if you are still working, again, ask yourself, even though why you still have your nine to five, what is the, uh, the other thing that can that interests you out there that you can parlay into a side hustle? It's, it, it'll keep you interested. Don't just do it because you can make money from it, but it'll keep you interested while you're doing it because nothing will make you lose 
<laughs> money faster than trying to make some money off something that you can give two shits about. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I've always been fortunate that I, I've found ways to, since I got into the fitness industry, I've always chased whatever I find interesting. And more often than not, a lot of other people find it interesting too. So now they're coming to me because they don't have the time to do all the research or the desire to do all the research I do. And they know I'm not right. going to do stuff. So I can give them an honest assessment of whatever's going on. But I remember when I read Think and Grow Rich, one thing that stuck out with me the first time I read it is his emphasis on acquiring specialized knowledge, how important yep. it is. And I, that was always something that was in the back of my head. So I'm pursuing my interests, but they just happen to be in the realm of specialized knowledge as well, especially yeah. hormone optimization stuff, because hormone optimization is the gift that keeps giving, meaning that the older you get, the more important it becomes. Yeah. So the older, the, also the older I get and still maintain a high level of fitness and energy and zeal for life, the more impressive it is too. You know, it's a one thing for me to lift heavy weights when I'm 28, big deal. People are always going to mm-hmm. say, oh, you're 28. Yeah, well, I'm 48 now, motherfucker, and I'm still lifting heavy weights. Right. See, because of all this hormone optimization stuff that I found so important. Because people thought I was way too pedantic with it early in my career. They're like, oh, Mike's always talking about hormones and how important that is, blah, 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 blah. Though now, now everyone thinks they're a fucking hormone optimization expert. <laughs> yeah, ch- ch- hence check our last episode. <laughs> yeah, as we talked about on the last on the last episode. But the reality is, is that hormone optimization is extremely important. It's important for your mood. It's important for your physique composition, for your gut health, for just your quality your of overall health. health. So, yeah. so if you have knowledge on how to help people improve their hormonal profile, which is the knowledge I have, that's very specialized knowledge. That's very high in demand. And a lot of people don't even realize that they want it because they've never, they've never, no one's ever exposed them to this before. So they hear about hormones, they're thinking, oh, you know, that's what women go through during menopause. <laughs> you know? Right. So, you know, my, or, my, my girlfriend's got bad PMS syndrome. <laughs> that's what or, you know, men don't think about, you know, the testosterone until they're like 80. It's like, oh, I don't have to worry about that right now. Even right. I even had heard doctors saying, like, why are you worried about that? Why are you worried about that? I'm not worried about it. <laughs> I'm focusing on it. So I don't ever have to worry about it. Right, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm not worried are... about it. It's something that is of concern because you want to make sure it's in an optimal range because if it isn't, mm-hmm. you're going to feel like shit sooner or later. And why wait until it's become completely depleted before you do something about it? Exactly. Why not stay ahead of the curve? When it makes it that much harder to reverse it, you know? Yeah. It's going to take a lot more effort that you're not willing to put in or have the energy to put in to reverse it. So yeah. get while the getting is good, bro. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't get into hormone optimization because I thought, oh, like, oh, this will make me a lot of money. I got into it for personal reasons because I was experiencing the symptoms that a lot of other people experience. And I go, what can I do about it? And then I go, man, the people in the fitness industry don't talk about this enough. This is so important for everything that we want. You want you want to improve your training performance, recovery. This is crucial. So I was I just happened to be one of the early pioneers in the fit, bringing that information to the fitness community, especially to the kettlebell world, because definitely no one in the kettlebell world was talking about the importance of that. But the funny thing that would happen is I would do a lecture at my kettlebell courses, and all of a sudden everybody was hungry for more of that. Yeah. Like this kettlebell stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I want to learn to. I want to. I want that information on how to make sure my dick still works. You know? <laughs> so my look here, man. I don't want to spend another hour trying to train how to do the snatch. I want to spend another hour trying to learn how I can still get some. <laughs> like, Women in the course are like, my husband hasn't looked at me with desire for fifteen years. You know, is there something geez, you can do about that. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> So that so the, the the hormone stuff just keeps you feeling good and energetic and all that. So you 
it, it just permeates to every other aspect of your life. Now you want to go do more stuff. You have energy to have more physical activity. You want to go on, you want to go on more vacations. You want to have a good time with a significant other. All those things are affected by your hormone profile. That's why I'm always so, that's why it's, why it's something I always emphasize. So when people mm-hmm. have depression, I always think, oh, let's look at your hormones. hormones yeah. Before we do anything else. Now, is it going to solve everyone's problems? No, but it's definitely going to improve. It's definitely going to improve things. You know, you may still have depression, but you're going to have so much energy in other areas that you can deal with that depression right. more effectively than you could have if you have depression and depleted testosterone and depleted pregnenolone and you got mm-hmm. no DHEA. You start addressing all these different things. All of a sudden, the depression is still there, but it, it doesn't handicap your life the way it did before. Right. I mean, it's starting to, it's starting to lose some of its theme, you know? It's not being fed as much. Yeah. So but I mean, you're, you're, you've always been a good example of someone that bets on yourself as long as I've known you. I think we did an episode where we talked about that because you've had so many different career paths. And th- these were things that were of interest to you at the time. You maximized it. And then you go, OK, I'm interested in this now. Let me try this out. And not yeah. in a funky way. You put a concerted amount of time into each thing that you've ever taken on. But after a while, you have a curious, curious mind. You want to try other things. So you're betting yeah. and also you're betting on yourself because you have the belief in yourself that you actually can learn new skills and develop yeah. a level of expertise. And that's important because a lot of people don't feel like they have that. I, I felt like that before I got into the fitness industry. I go, mm-hmm. I go, I don't have any specialized knowledge on this. I'm just someone who enjoys this stuff. You know, I don't know why anyone would pay me. You know, I had those kind of doubts too and all mm-hmm. that. <clears throat> yeah, man. One thing about it, I, I get so focused. Like once it has my attention, it has my attention. Yeah. So that's yeah. why it's easy to let go of other things because I always see it this way. If I'm giving a lot of attention to something, that means whatever the other thing is no longer interests me and I'm, I'm not going to waste my time anymore. <laughs> it's time to get out. And you know me, once I get out, I'm out. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, we were joking about just like the people that, that follow us or who we follow, like on Instagram, or whatever, like you'll, you'll talk about somebody that might be in the fitness world. I, like, I don't even know who that is <laughs> because once <laughs> I was done, I was done. I wasn't even actually <laughs> trying to follow anybody in that world or especially like in kettlebells. I'm like, I'm done with that. Yeah, you know, you're probably not keeping tabs on what's going on in the DJ world. You know? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so when when my boys bring up somebody like, "Hey, man, so and so, who? You don't know so and so? No, like, dude, I haven't done it in like almost 20 years. Why would I know who that is? I don't even care. Somebody, it's fine. The ones I bring up, the ones who've been doing it for a while and they're still doing, which I'm even, I'm like, damn, you still DJ? Oh, that dude's still at it. Like some of these guys in the fifties and the sixties, I mean, I'm, but the thing is, they still have that passion to do it, which you know, I don't shit on that. I can appreciate that. They're still, it still energizes them, keeps them going. They're not just doing it because that's all they know, and they're too lazy to, or feel like it's too late to try something else, because that will reflect in their work. But when I still see these guys putting in that energy and still sound as if they were doing this twenty, thirty years ago, I said, man, props to you that you still have that energy and that love to do it like that. I have the love for it on this side of the turntables now being a fan, right? You know, right. Someone, I can appreciate it. I, I love the fact I can actually sit and appreciate it now. Just like I can, I love the fact I can go to the gym and appreciate just, it's just, it's just me and training and having my own self-discovery uninterrupted, right. you know, and not having to also focus on someone else, you know, kind of getting that way as far as even with the personal defense, like, it feels great to go to the range and just be there by myself. It's therapy for me. It's just right. me, you know, I'm not having to constantly, not just having to explain, but, you know, also kind of also be the, the watchdog looking out for people, you know, right. there, because 
not only is it keeping them safe, but keeping me safe as well. <laughs> you know, so it becomes that thing. And mostly spending more time with investing in whatever is even that's a great world for me because I don't have to worry about being with other people because number one, I'm not an accredited investor. I'm not a financial expert. I don't have a degree in it. So therefore, even trying to manage somebody's money, whatever, that would be illegal without me being licensed and going through the rigmarole, which is great because I don't want to be in charge of other people's money. <laughs> I don't want to be in charge of, because they'll never be satisfied. They will ask you a million things. They'll constantly be micromanaging or whatever, even though they came to you because you knew something, you know, a lot of things they did not know, but they'll constantly, and then again, even if you tell them there's a risk or whatever else, and they still take the risk, they'll, a lot of them won't take the responsibility that they took the risk. And most people will not risk what they're willing to lose because it's, most people are not willing to lose anything when it comes <laughs> to their money. You know, you got to really love the game. So if rarely you find someone that just when it comes to investing that they they enjoy the game more than the money, making money is cool and all, but they can like it's the game. And I think that's probably it, it can be one of the most beneficial attitudes to have in when it comes to investing, because that means also if you're looking at it like that, you've taken responsibility in your life before you even thought about going into investing that you've done well with saving your money and putting your money in good places. You made smart choices when it came to purchases, you're not overextending yourself. You're not trying to just live a credit card to credit card. You know, you pretty much either you are working, you know, in a job that you actually, you know, enjoy, or you're making moves to get out of that and something better, or you have a business that, you know, that you really fulfill with or whatever. So, you know, it helps free your mind to where you can enjoy the, the game because that's all making money is. It's a game. You know, yeah. it's just a game. And if you don't see it that way, when it's a necessity, you're not in a position really to be invested <laughs> when it's something, when it's whatever you make, it's necessary, necessary is right. do or die. And the, probably the most irresponsible thing people could do is like sitting there betting everything they have on an investment because again it comes with a lot of freaking risk no matter what that is whether stocks bonds crypto real estate or business that's another thing a lot of people like i want to be a business owner and they buy these businesses that are shit a lot of times these businesses are for sale because it's a shitty business it was ran shitty you know and the person was probably inexperienced or their heart they no longer have the heart for it and now you're trying to purchase something that wasn't yours to begin with so you have even less heart to run this business Right. So you got to be very particular on what you're investing your money in and putting, you know, putting that kind of stock, pun intended, into, you know. So you got to really make, like I said, you, once you commit that it's a game and you, you're here to play the game, so be it. But my thing is, another thing is, when you're playing the game, play to win. Don't play, you know, most people play not to lose, and that's a bad attitude to have, you know. So that's where you can kind of see the difference in a lot of people when it comes to the money game. When you're playing like, oh, I, I, I got to do this because I don't want to lose anything. That's not going to work. That's the wrong attitude to have, man. <laughs> so that's another thing. You got to definitely have your, your mental health together for any of these things. Like I said, when you're playing to win, man, you have the advantage. When you're playing not to lose, you're already behind the curve. You're behind the eight ball now, you know, because your strategy is going to always suck. And most of everything that you do, whether you believe the universe or whatever else, every action you have is moving toward that thing you're focused on. If you're focusing not to lose, you're focusing on all the things that will make you lose. <laughs> you know, when you focus on winning, you know, that that's what you're doing. You're constantly looking for those opportunities to, to increase your chances of winning. You know, whereas, like I said, the opposite is 
when you plan, you know, I don't want to lose anything, then you're, you're constantly looking at things that will help you lose, that will make you lose those things. And so that's going to end up stifling you and scaring you and make you freeze in your tracks when there's an opportunity there. Because instead of taking that opportunity, you think like, well, if I do this, there's a high risk and I could lose it all. Whereas when you plan to win, you're like, oh, here's an opportunity. Let me let me check it out. OK, this seems like it's something worth, you know, putting some time into. I'm going to take this risk. You know, it's always a chance you, you may not pan out the way you want, but it's also a chance that it will. Whereas the person with the other attitude is not thinking that way. He's like, well, it probably won't work. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Funny how that works. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's so. a good analogy. That's just, that's just a good philosophy for anything. I mean, training is a game too. Making training progress is a game. You're, you're, you have to come up with strategies. You come up with ideas. You execute things. You do the research and then you play around with things. But also, I always say for most people, if you want to get strong physically, you have to get strong mentally too. Because yeah. you have to use your mind a lot to figure out this whole thing. And people, because yeah, your oh, body will betray your ass in a minute. It's like, oh, you know what? We can't do another rep. <laughs> and your mind's like, oh, let's go ahead and let's let's see what happens. Try it. Go ahead and <laughs> do that. And, you know, and it's empowering when you feel like you on your last step and you just couldn't do one more. And you're like, well, damn, I squeezed out one more. Okay, and then that gives some that carries over to the next session. You know, and to other things, too. You leave feeling good. You don't feel like you defeated. You don't feel like you lost or whatever. And that's, it's kind of like sometimes that train of failure, people ignore the word failure. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's just like, oh, I have nothing left. Like, I just couldn't, man. It's just, that was it. And that becomes a mantra after that. Right. Because sometimes, like I said, that victory is usually in that, in that next rep or that next step or just pushing yourself just one more yard one more sprint just just one more you know but at the same time knowing when to leave something in the gas tank for next time you know so it becomes this little tricky thing but you gotta have your mind in the game to to see where that is yeah so it's never all or nothing in either direction you got to figure out like how to mesh both sides together to, to make it work for you yeah, just the, just the more knowledgeable you become on any topic, the more options you're going to have. The, yep. the, you're stacking the probability of success in your favor. I remember my mom, one of our last conversations, she was talking about how when I was younger, she used to see me just reading all these books on finances and success and stuff like that. And she was thinking in her head, you know, he doesn't have any money. So why does he care about this? And the, the reality is, though, is that you know, I was betting on myself because I'm sitting there thinking, you know, one day I am going to have a lot of money and I need to know what to do with it. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and, that, and that was my mentality. I was like, look, I need to learn this. I don't need to be an expert at investing, but I need to get an idea of the landscape here so that when I do make money, I put I allocate it to the right things. Exactly. I'm not going to, even at, even at a young age, I knew that just making money and putting it in the bank wasn't a good idea. Right. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta just making the bankers richer. Yeah. 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 You got to be way more strategic than that. Right. But it paid off because I go, look, now I have time on my hands and I'm a young guy, I've got energy. So let me just learn as much as possible. So why, why wait until I'm at a certain place for me to figure out what I should do about it? Yeah. Let's just take some preemptive moves here. And then why wait to win? You need it to try to figure out what to do with it. Like, this, okay, this ain't the t- this is not the time. <laughs> you don't have that kind of time right now. You have these things that popped up that require, you know, finances on a certain amount, and you don't have it. And that's where I think a lot of people end up getting in trouble because they didn't think that far ahead. They didn't think it would ever get to that situation. There was no nest egg or whatever else. And then things happen because life's funny like that. And now it's like, oh, they got caught with their pants down. <laughs> <laughs> that's 
that's, <laughs> and that's costly too. <laughs> that, that alone would have, was always motivation to make sure I'm successful, so I don't fall back into that. Plus, when I when I lived in Los Angeles, I saw so many people have come out to that town who just left with their tail between their legs, right? They just yeah, no plan. Like, like, yeah, and I'm gonna go out there and make it. And they always blamed it on the city, like, oh, you know, this is a tough town and blah, 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 blah. I was like, look, man, you came out here with no strategy. You didn't work. While you're fucking kick- skateboarding on, on Venice Beach, I'm working seven days a week. You know, I, was, I wasn't distracted by all that bullshit that other people got distracted by. Yeah, I lived seven blocks from the beach, and I enjoyed it every day after I got the work done for the day. You know, I didn't just blow off the whole day, you know, chasing broads and fucking looking at sunsets. You know, I was out there working the whole time. So, so I, I went out to Los Angeles and I feel like I conquered that town. I left that town with my head held high. You know, right. I, it's not like I couldn't afford to stay there. I could have stayed there, but my attitude is let's go somewhere else, get more value for what we have, have more peace of mind too. Yeah. But uh, for me, Los Angeles was a good experience. I don't look at that as a negative experience at all. The four years there were instrumental to my development, my business development in particular. And I, and I had a good time while I was out there. I remember I would meet so many people that would just be so dejected, but it was always on them. I go, look, what were you doing? What did you think? They, somehow they felt, somehow sometimes people feel like if they just show up in that town, they're going to get discovered in some way. And, the, and then someone's just going to roll out the carpet to success for them. I go, it's just, right. that's not the way life works, man. It does not work like that. Nah, not at all. Why, why would you want to leave your success in the hands of someone else too? I go, no, no, no. I'm going to take full charge and responsibility for whether I'm successful. If I'm not successful, it's going to be on me. And if I am successful, it's also going to be on me. And you know, that was, I'm willing to take that responsibility. See, and that's where I think the issue comes because it's, for many, it's so much easier to put it on, to delegate that to someone else. So when it fails, you can blame them. That's 100%. But when it succeeds, oh, they take all the credit. I'm a self-made <laughs> man. I, I I pulled myself over my bootstraps. Yeah, but who bought you the shoes, motherfucker? <laughs> it's like, those weren't even your boots. You borrowed those boots. Somebody, somebody walked in those boots before you did. And they, they handed them down to you. Like, no, these are my boots. I did it all on my own. But no. you know what? And, and I'm, I'm always the first to say there were a lot of people along my journey that helped me out, opened up doors for me and all that. But the only reason they did that is because because I was out there hustling and making my presence. Exact same. It's like, yeah, so, you know, I proved myself worthy of them investing their time and resources right. into me. So that's my thing. At the end of the day, the, the moral of this story is become, make sure that you're a person of value, you know, whether it's for you or anyone else, you know, just like you were saying, you know, um, you, you, you go in and you've been these things where, well, not just for you, but, you speaking in general, like you, you go in and you find something that you truly like and you become the person that knows these things, whatever. My thing is be a resource, be a yeah. valuable resource yeah. and know how to allocate that resource to, to those or be someone that can invest in that resource. Okay. So, and it's, that's where it really comes down to, like I said, find, going back to what I was saying, find that thing and man, immerse yourself in it. And while you're at it, Hey man, see if you can make a hustle out of that as well. You know what I'm saying? Right now, it's going to be a lot of people that are going to be doing well to be consultants, coaches, and mentors, you know, and all three are different, you know, but because there's, you're that somebody that knows more than someone else about this thing that that someone else really wants to get into or really cares about. Well, I mean, someone someone like Robert, Robert Cheek, vegan bodybuilding guy, you know, that guy's, that guy's been a vegan forever. He's been as long as I have, and he's always had a business model that focused on 
building the vegan diet like here's how to make the vegan diet work for body way before it became trendy way before game changers came out and way before you had all these plant-based experts that have been vegan for five months you know he has a long track record and he's now i'm really happy to see the success he's having he's got best-selling books and he's he's in demand as a speaker because that that guy has paid his dues more than anyone else i know in the plant-based he's always been very consistent with that message and he stayed the course and he and he has a legitimate level of expertise as well. Yeah. He's been doing he's it for walked, so long, and you know, he's so he's walked the walk, man. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. But this is risk. something that was he didn't do this thinking. Oh, you know what? Someday the vegan diet is going to be something I can make a lot of money off of. You know, it was because he cares about animals and he was passionate about this whole endeavor that now he's reaping the financial rewards of that as well. Definitely. But it started yeah. with chasing an, it started with chasing something you're actually interested in. And that's yeah. something we don't hear a lot of advice on that front. A lot of times it's, oh, you know, you got to be practical. You got to be realistic. You got to do this. And you know what? That's not the way I wanted. To, that's not the way I'm going to live my life. Or you I get the T-shirt that. philosophy. You get the T-shirt philosophy. Like, you know, once you once you start doing the thing that you love, you'll never work a day in your life. OK, that's the after effect. But. Now, how do I find that thing? See, no one wants to talk about that, which finding yeah. that thing that you truly love requires sometimes for you to, to to zoom out and isolate yourself, turn things off so you can figure out who you are and what really matters to you. And not necessarily all these things that are constantly around you trying to influence your thought and make right. you think that this is the thing that you're interested in because you're being bombarded by it and you think, okay, it's really easy to get brainwashed into thinking like, well, well, this is obviously what I should be doing because this is the popular thing to do, or this is that thing, or this is that safe thing, you know? So sometimes, a lot of times it requires you to spend that time with yourself and so many people are not ready to do that (laughs) because there's some other things that will pop up during those times. Like, Hey, you haven't addressed this before you try to move on with your dreams. You got to address this, this pain, this trauma first before your mind can be open enough to move forward and be creative enough to do these things. Or also you can take the same trauma, whatever, and this could be the thing that you can speak about or think about or do or build your life around and and you can actually benefit from it financially, but at the same time, help others benefit from it, from your experience, which is one of the reasons going back to you. It's one of the reasons why you are one of the top folks in the fitness world when it comes to hormone optimization, because you, you had to deal with some stuff. <laughs> that, that that make pretty much it was life or death and then because of that experience or whatever and you got further further immersed into it and next thing you know here we are you know you're not gonna sit there and type in google you know hormone optimization and fitness or whatever else and not see your name pop up you know it wasn't like that's probably what you were thinking to do like i'm gonna be the top of google <laughs> well, I, want, I want people to see my name when it pops up whatever it wasn't necessarily these ego driven things you know it just kind of all worked in your favor because that's where your concentration was. Yeah, I think I think there's a difference between chasing money and chasing interest. And a lot of times yeah. people are too confused. They think that things they're passionate about are hobbies because you can't make money out of it. So now you got to learn something to make money that you're not interested in. And then you can have your weekends to enjoy your hobby. Your hobby yeah, exactly. That's the kind of bill of goods a lot of people have bought into, certainly when we were growing up. Well, it's sold to you by people who own things that need you to work for them in order for them to, (laughs) in order for them to sit around and enjoy their hobbies every day. So they don't have to work in their business. They need you in there working for their business. So you can't be sitting there having, doing the same things that they're doing because they're not going to be able to enjoy those things if they have to go out and do the things that they want you to go do. (laughs) So 
Funny how that works. That's uh, just Frankie, right? That's that's yes. your, isn't it? Yeah, Sarah, okay. yeah. Yeah, Sarah. She put up a funny post that I'm sure you saw. It says, the worst nightmare. Wake up, breakfast in a rush, driving to work for someone else's dream, <laughs> sitting at a desk, doing work you hate, drive back home, completely exhausted, no energy left to pursue anything, waiting for the weekend, repeat for 40 years. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had a comment on this. When it's, I read. It's, it's, it's almost depressing just to even read that or hear that. It's like, geez, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I want to jump off a roof right now. <laughs> no, but the last, very last job I ever had, this is exactly how I felt every yeah. day. What she brought her, I was like, man, I, I know this feeling all too well. And fortunately, the best thing that ever happened for, for me is I got fired and I got out of that. And then a year after I got fired, I got divorced, which was the last thing that was, was also that, that, that was probably an even better thing. You know? <laughs> because the, the two things that were causing the most negativity in my life were now gone. So now, now, now I can only go up from there. Right? <laughs> and that's what happened. I could only go up on all fronts from there. <laughs> <laughs> Started from the bottom, now we're here. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, man, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. I yeah, think I, so. so um, yeah, I know we want to talk about like th- that book based on the movie Heat, but let's save oh, that yeah, for we'll the next. Let's save it for the next one. I haven't finished it yet, anyway. So uh, that's what I was thinking. I was like, it'll give you time to finish up too, so we can kind of really go into it. But uh, yeah, man. So like I said, that was a good, good discussion, man. And uh, hopefully, it really gets everyone's brains going you know, and juices flowing and they can think about this when they're approaching the training, finances, life in general, man. And just find ways to stand out from the herd, man, because that's never fun. It's never fun. It's never fun just to be someone lost in the crowd. And I think that's why so many people have feel such misery because they are lost in the crowd. People just want to be seen. And no one says go out and do extra stuff just to get attention. But the thing is, See yourself first. And then if you recognize who you are and the things that matter to you, man, other people start seeing it too. And then you you will definitely be seen. And like I said, you feel a lot more fulfilled because you're doing things for yourself, you know? So absolutely. There you, there you go, folks. So go ahead and marinate on that. And we'll catch you guys next time. Take care, everybody. Take care, everyone. That wraps up this week's Live Life Aggressively show. Be sure to head over to MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Use the coupon code LLA12 and receive 12% off of your total purchase at either of those websites. Also, for more personal protection tips, make sure you head over to NewWarriorDefense.com. Support the production of the Live Life Aggressively show by heading over to Patreon.com and becoming a patron. Simply go to Patreon.com slash LLA podcast. All Patreon subscribers receive Patreon-only access to our brand new show, Afterlife, which is a brand new behind-the-scenes episode episode that is not available to the public our patreon subscribers also get to enjoy bigger discounts on all of our products by receiving patron only discount codes beginning at 15 percent off on all products on mikemahler.com and newwarriortraining.com don't forget to rate and review us on apple Podcasts, spotify and stitcher lastly be sure to share the episode by following us on social media on facebook as well as our new account on instagram until the next episode take care everybody